Hi, this is Paula, and I pray, and today I'm going to share my testimony about um, sort of my early beginnings and what happened. I think your testimony is so important. I title this, um, Who is this Jesus? Because so much is going on today with the term spirituality, and and I think it's important for us to share on this podcast our own personal testimony of how uh, we came to know Christ and for me, it was really exciting. It happened many years ago. So I hope that you, my audience, will relate better to me when you hear my testimony. Especially, I love reaching out. My passion is really youth and women and children and families. And I hope that it really um, connects you with me. And um, I am in ministry full-time. I have my own ministry. I'm a prophetic intercessor. But also, I in my past, I was also a teacher, and then I teach the Bible, and then I was a children's pastor. I have a pretty varied background. I'm also an artist. I have a lot of, I have a lot in my background, but most importantly is that I love the Lord, and I want you to know who I am. So my testimony begins with, first of all, when I was young, I was the seventh child of eight children, so my mom had already had six kids when she was found to be pregnant with me. And, you know, in all fairness to my mom, I, I think back to her generation and how she must have felt. I mean, she had already had six kids. And, you know, we don't realize that when there is turmoil or there's trauma when you're pregnant, that affects the baby in the womb. And I believe that my mom, well, my mom shared with me that, you know, she had had a miscarriage um, and then she had also lost her father and my own father had worked for his dad, but he had lost his job and, and my mom had emotional problems as it, as it was. And as it were, and she, she really, um, was, uh, hurting at the time. And I think about my mom today and I think, wow, she had it pretty rough. But anyway, I was, <laughs> I was actually, um, I felt like when I was born, I was an orphan. You go, how could you be an orphan? Well, I realize now what I was was a spiritual orphan. Uh, we are all born spiritual orphans, actually, on planet Earth until we meet uh, Jesus Christ. Um, we are uh, spiritually uh, alienated from God the Father. We are actually, um, you know, Jesus made that very clear. We are actually either a child of God or a child of the devil. We, you know, unfortunately, people don't want to accept that, but we're not all. God is not our father until we are born again. And that term is being born of the Spirit of God through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And so I didn't know these things. I was um, born into a religious family, but I didn't know know God personally. I didn't even know you could know God personally. And I certainly didn't have any biblical terminology in my background. No one, no one in my family I knew of were Bible believers no one had read the Bible that I knew of. And uh, so I was really um, religiously trained, but not, but not a Christian, not a true believer in Jesus Christ. So I knew about Jesus. I knew he had died on the cross, but I didn't go to Sunday school. I didn't, you know, have teachings. Um, they were church teachings about the church, but not about Jesus himself, although I might have heard a little sermonette or a little message with the Bible sprinkled in it. I didn't know I could even know God. I just knew that I had to obey these certain church laws and, and traditions, and through that, I would I would be okay. I would somehow you know, get to heaven one day, I guess. But anyways, my, my upbringing was, was like, I was the seventh child and I was an unwanted pregnancy and I was actually an abused child. I was very neglected. Um, 
my mom, I don't ever remember my mother telling me she loved me or my father for that matter. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't love me or weren't duty bound to take care of me, but I didn't have any sense of belonging. I wasn't securely attached to my mother in the womb uh, or out of the womb. But so there was this disconnect with my mom, but there was also a disconnect with her mother because my grandmother actually was uh, born and then lost her parents when she was in elementary school and was taken up by her her, her um, relatives. But so there was this disconnect with my mom, with her mom. So as I look down, you know, at the generation, I see that. And the Lord said to me, get wisdom, but get understanding. Have an understanding heart. So only the Lord can show you your family background. It's important that you ask the Lord. So when I was younger and I came to Christ, I actually asked the Lord, what happened to me? And he started showing me generational things in our family. And amongst other things, there were some other things, but there were other things in there. But um, one of the things he showed me was this orphan spirit, and which is actually rejection or um, feeling abandoned, really abandoned. And so... You know, this brokenheartedness, you say the human race is brokenhearted. I believe the human race is broken. I believe the times we're living in are very serious times. And the world that we're in now is a a very um, uh, place of turmoil um, and also a place that could be a place of joy for those who know the Lord. It is. But for those who don't, it's a very uh, hectic time. It's a very crazy world. It's a unsafe world and a lot's going on, as you know. But I really want to talk about my testimony and I want to tell you the excitement of what happened to me and how the Lord saved me because I believe this will have an impact on your life as well. And so that's the whole point of sharing my testimony about who is this Jesus. So I was on my spiritual search as I look back on my teenage years. I was this little kind of, um, I want to describe myself as a hippie. You know, I I love poetry. I love writing poetry. I love reading. I was just kind of this girl, very quiet, a very uh, intuitive, sensitive person. I did have this love for children. I don't know. It was in me just this love for kids, a very sensitive heart, a very mercy-motivated heart towards kids, even when I was younger. But I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that I had this love. I also had a love for the arts, especially for art and design, which later I went to Pennsylvania College of Art and Design, and I did belong to an art association, did, you know, have a show and some of that. But I, you know, an artist, I was an artist. And so one of the things that, and I also taught school, I was a teacher, so I had this varied background. But the thing that was interesting for me is my relationship with God was, was really, I knew, I knew I believed in God, but I didn't know him. Like I said, no, know him. I didn't even know I could know him. So when I was on my spiritual journey, you know, I look at it this way, is I was always like going to church, but I, I didn't have answers. The church didn't give me answers. I wasn't a Bible believer. I didn't have a Bible, I don't think, at all at that time. At that time, I didn't even have a Bible. I didn't even know the Bible would help me find God or who Jesus was or anything. So I just went on my little journey, and it led me down a very dark path because I remember looking into numerology, looking into, at that time, people were looking into astrology, the stars. They were looking into the occult, like looking into secrets, like uh, I know now is the darkness, uh, the spiritual darkness, um, where um, I thought that knowledge, like knowing the future, like going to people who were clairvoyant or people who could tell you the future, this was all 
I guess I lumped it all together. It was all God, but it's not God. None of that is God. In fact, it's strictly forbidden in the Bible to seek after these spirits that um, that actually lie to you, familiar spirits or spirits in your family that are passed down. They're, there's many spirits. They're not all God from God. The Bible describes this um, many spirits in First John 4 that go out into the world, but you're to test the spirits to see whether they be of God. Well, there's only one Holy Spirit there's only one Holy Spirit. In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus describes to his followers before he died on the cross that God the Father would, would, would send the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he describes who the Holy Spirit is. He's called the Spirit of Truth. He would come um, and lead and guide them into all truth. He was called the, the, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Intercessor, the Strengthener, the Standby. He was, he was the advocate with the Father. And so he describes that the Holy Spirit would come. And so that, you know, that is something you need to study and understand that the Holy Spirit uh, is in the earth right now. And um, later on, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I'll describe that to you. It's so exciting. It's for you as well. If you're a believer, you can receive the Holy Spirit. The infilling are being introduced into or baptized into or infused with power from one high as this happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And you can study the Bible for yourselves and read it. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples, Jesus' friends, were told to wait for the Father's promise in Jerusalem in the upper room and that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus uh, went to his death for us. He was a substitute. He was sacrificed, uh, a sacrificial lamb that was slain. The Bible says from the foundation of the world, God had sent his one and only son to die for an orphan planet, really. Jesus came to rescue us because we were we were um, stolen. We were kidnapped by this outlaw, spiritual outlaw. And this outlaw was God's enemy. We know his name was Lucifer. We know he was once a beautiful being, an angel in heaven from reading and studying Isaiah and Ezekiel. We know that in God's beautiful garden, he's creator God, Elohim, who created the heavens and the earth. And we know that he made this beautiful garden of delight, the garden of Eden. And we know that he created uh, the first man and woman, Adam, and uh, placed them in this beautiful garden. Now, just to clear that up, I want you to know it wasn't a little cartoon character of them running around a little tiny garden and caretaking it. No, Adam and his wife, he called later Eve, the mother of all living, She, they were like planet rulers of, of of earth. They were like placed under God, given authority. That's the word authority in the garden to rule over, it says, uh, the planet. So they had this God-given authority. They were like um, queen and king, of king and queen of, of planet earth. So I want you to broaden broad your perspective a little bit and say, God placed into their hands the ability to uh, uh, rule over uh, the planet and um, but there was one thing they were told uh, in the garden was this uh, tree, uh, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they were told they could have partake of the tree of life in the garden of Eden and all the trees and everything they could have, everything was theirs. But this one tree they were not to partake of. And the story in the Bible is true. It's Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. And you can read the story of creation for yourself, and you should. And you can read the story of how God made man. The Bible tells us God made man in his own image and likeness. So God is spirit, and God made man as spirit. 
<coughs> excuse me, I could fellowship with him and talk with him and, and communicate with him. And so he wanted this man and this woman, and Eve was also created, a beautiful creation out of Adam's side. The Bible talks about out of his heart, out of that side. So God made his beautiful creation, man and woman, he made them equal, and, and they had authority, both of them. And they were given this right or this authority in uh, to rule and to reign, okay? But the sad part is our spiritual parents sold out. Uh, Eve was deceived by Satan who was disguised in the garden as a snake. And he talked her into partaking of the fruit. And we know that she gave some to her husband. And he with he saw what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. And they both committed high treason, and they sold out to God's enemy. But God brought a remedy. He prophesied that he would send the Messiah, Jesus, who would break the devil's lordship uh, through a seed of the woman, through the seed of the woman. There'd be enmity between them, between Satan and between the woman, but that the Lord would come and save this planet. So that's really the beginnings of... Um, of what happened and then we look throughout the bible and the study of god coming through his chosen people who were abraham's uh people the jews and what happened there and then jesus did finally come through the line of david the jewish line the davidic line king david and he came so we know jesus christ lived you know if you look outside biblical bible <laughs> references outside of biblical references you're going to find that jesus a person named jesus christ actually lived now i'm a bible believer that's my world view you know but i also want you to know that jesus christ lived and this is the story uh that my story which is my testimony and how i found jesus or how he found me and that is that I was lost. I was like a spiritual orphan. I I was disconnected. <laughs> you know, I I didn't know God. I was churched in the church, but I didn't know him. And and someone gave me, I was on the campus of Southern Illinois University. Someone gave me a book at that time. I was like 18 years old called The Late Great Planet Earth. And the book was about the end times. At that time they kind of called it the end of the world, but we know the world wasn't going to end. It was going to be a new heaven and new earth. And the earth would change or evolve. But at that time, it was about sort of that, those movies about, you know, Armageddon. And it was, a, and it was expos, exposing, expository on the um, prophetic words that were in the Bible regarding the signs of the times and what it was going to look like before the second coming of Jesus Christ. So Jesus promised to return to planet earth. And so it was all about what was going to happen and at the very end of the book, there was this prayer, and I prayed this prayer, but I didn't know that it was called the prayer of salvation. I didn't have any biblical terminology in me at the time. I didn't know what the word save salvation meant. I didn't have, you know, a background in the Bible, so I didn't know born again, that term. I didn't know what that meant. I, you know, I, I had never been to a, a Christian, another Christian church, so I had no clue. I was clueless. I was spiritually you know, dead. <laughs> and so what happened was when I read this prayer, I read it and I believed it in my heart. It was called the prayer of salvation, asking Jesus to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. And I recognized that I was a sinner. And that was the, that was the beginning. But after that, I um, wanted to move out of my house. I was going to college and my friend had been living with her boyfriend in this flat. And 
she said they were leaving so here was the name of the landlord so my mom and I were having a lot of difficulty in our lives I mean my mom was she was she could be very mean-spirited to me and fight with me and then you know I needed a place to live so I was thinking maybe I should move into this flat so I went to this house it was in Belleville Illinois in southern Illinois and I knocked on the door and this elderly man named Jim Thomas opened the door the the actual landlord and I went in with my 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 boyfriend and we sat down at the kitchen table well I was thinking that he was going to um, ask me questions, you know, like, because I was going to be renting from him. But the first thing he said to me, which was so strange at that time was, I need, he said, I need to ask you a question. I said, yes. And he said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? And I was like, I was kind of taken aback. I was kind of shocked. I was like, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What does that have to do with renting this apartment? So my first kind of reaction was like, you know, was kind of strange because I said, you know, I really wanted to find a way to move out of there. I tried to physically actually get up out of the chair. I thought I would just get up, but there was this sense of, all I can say, a presence that was a gentle presence that was kind of just there, and I couldn't leave I guess I could have left but I had a longing in my heart to tell him that I had just prayed this prayer but the first kind of knee-jerk reaction was I'm Catholic you know so it was kind of like um you know uh I don't know what that was it was a reaction you know at first and he kind of laughed and he said well he said honey I don't care if you call yourself Catholic I don't I don't really care if you call yourself you know, Baptist, I don't care if you call yourself Jew. He didn't really care about that. He just wanted to know, did I believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God? And I didn't know that the book of Romans 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart, which I had, and confess with your mouth, that salvation is made into confession. Confession is an old English word they use there, but it really means to say out loud, to make an active confession of your faith publicly or speak about it, about him. What you believe is in your heart will come out your mouth. Well, I didn't know that. So so he was asking me, could I confess the Lord? And, and I said, well, yes. I, I answered him then. I said, I, I was prompted. I felt inside, and now I know it was the Lord. It was the the Lord prompting me because I had prayed and the Lord heard that prayer. And so I said, I do believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. I, I do believe he's my Lord and savior, but I, you know, I kind of stopped there. And then he said, okay. So he opened up the Bible and began to teach uh, me about the end times or the time of the end or before the Lord comes, the coming of the Lord out of the book of Revelation. So he was sharing what I had just read, <laughs> much of what I just read in the, the late great planet Earth, the book I had read. And so I was listening. I was, I was enthralled by this, that Jesus Christ was returning to planet Earth. And I, I know outside we had walked, when I walked in the house, it was like an afternoon, a light, bright day. And I looked out and there was light. And the next thing I knew, I mean, it, I, I was there for hours, but it felt like I was just there for a couple of minutes. It was pitch black. So he had sat there and just expounded on and shared the word of God with me, told me what was going to happen before Christ returned, what the Bible had been te- what Bible had taught. 
about the coming of the Lord. And he wanted me to know this, that Jesus was returning. I was to know this. And I was like, this was so uh, new for me, but I was really excited about wanting to know more about Jesus. That was my quest. Who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? So um, when I got ready to leave uh, and walk out the door, he stopped me and he said, I need to tell you something. He said, you're not supposed to move in here with your boyfriend. You're supposed to live with him. And I thought, oh my gosh, how did he know this? I mean, who told him this? Because I certainly hadn't told anyone. That was kind of my plan. It was a secret plan I had. <laughs> my boyfriend didn't know it. <laughs> but I was going to move out of my house and I needed to move in with somebody so we could both pay the rent. So I was thinking, like, how am I going to do this? So at that time, that was in my culture. All my friends, just about many of them, were living with their boyfriends. It was just the way it was. And I was actually one of these kids, these girls growing up that had this, like, romantic view of love and I was always you know um, thinking about finding my true love and that you know my hero would come and rescue me so I had this really fantasy you know and I was kind of holding out because I really had the sense I did have a sense of morals of right and wrong and I I didn't I didn't necessarily want to move in with my boyfriend, but I felt like that was the only way and that was acceptable. So, you know, I was going to have to do that to get away from my mother and some of the crazy things that were going on in my household. So, but that was that, (laughs) not that it was right. So I was still taken aback when he said that I was to marry him, but I wasn't to live with him. And I just left then. So when I got home, my mom, I just had a big fight. She had fought with me before I left. She had actually tried to slap me. And I remember stopping her and telling her and speaking up to her. It was the first time. And then calling my dad and telling him what she had done. So it was like the first time there was a little bit of a, my mom was very mean to me and cruel to me. And that was the first time that I actually confronted her and then told my dad. So it was very difficult. It was a very emotional time for me. My mom, I left. And then when I got home, she was like sitting there kind of in a state of, I want to call self-pity maybe, but she was like, you know, anyway, she was there and I just came in bubbling with joy. I said, mom, I just met this man who told me about Jesus. And I was so excited about Jesus. What was strange was that she wasn't, she was very, very religious, my mother, but she wasn't excited about the fact that I knew more about Jesus or I'd found Jesus or whatever. She was just more like sorry for herself. That's the only thing I can look at. It was sad that she was sorry for herself. And so, but I didn't care. I came in with joy in my heart because I had forgiven her, you know, because I had found Jesus and I was happy now. So, (laughs) and I was young and I didn't know any better. And boy, was I spiritually dense. I didn't know anything really. When I look back over the last 40 years, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I would have done some things differently, but I didn't know the word of God and I didn't know the Lord. And some of you don't, and some of you do, but when you don't know it, you just don't know it. (laughs) And so I, um, a lot of things happened between then and I ended up getting engaged and, I ended up, I did end up getting engaged and I moved to St. Louis and then I ended up getting married. Now, I wasn't totally sure this was the right thing, but I was very young. I had, I was like 19 then and I was about ready to go to my third, second year, third year of college. I didn't finish, but later on I finally got my degree in education, but my my husband-to-be did finish and so we married like the next day, like after he graduated, you know, we just got married. So I was really young and 
you know, I look back on that. So it's pretty rough. But the Lord had his hand on me because he had a plan for my life. And I want to say that to you. Say this to you now. God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And that was the first scripture God gave me. It was such an amazing revelation. Because you see, I hadn't read the Bible. That's the key right there to successful spirituality, if you will. Um, At the very same time, I had talked to this man named Jim Thomas, ironically. Somebody gave my dad a Bible at one of the clubs he had gone to, and he just like threw it away in his office. And I went and got it out. So that entire summer, all these series of events, first I read The Late Great Planet Earth, I'm on the campus, Southern Illinois. Then I um, meet this man, Jim Thomas, and he witnesses to me about Jesus and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then somebody gives my dad a Bible, and I end up reading all summer. Now, who sits in their house all summer? All I wanted to know was, who is this Jesus? And I began to read the Bible. And that was the change in my life. That was the dramatic change in my life. It was Jesus Christ. Because I wanted to know. So I read I read all the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I read Acts. I read all the letters of Paul, of Peter, of James, of Jude. I read, you know, everything. Peter, James, all of them. And I read all of the book of Revelation. And I came back and started reading again. I just couldn't get enough. And I was like a desert inside. I was spiritually dead. And now I was starting to to receive, well, the word of God. And I started to change and understand some things. So that's what happens to you. We are spirit and we we need spiritual food. The Bible is alive. The word of God is living. It is is, um, active. It is sharp. It is powerful. And it will feed you. And it will enlighten you. And it will give you strength. And it will help you to grow in the Lord. Plus, knowledge, the knowledge of the Word of God is smart. You're smart when you get into the Word of God because it's also teaching you truth, the truth. There's only one truth. There aren't several truths. Or People say they have, there are several truths and, and there are several worldviews. Well, there could be several worldviews and there are truths, but there's only one truth. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. So it would behoove you to find out more about Jesus through the word of God, not through some spiritual guru, not through some, you know, denominations point of view that may be slanted or maybe not uh, scriptural, but you've got to go and find Jesus directly to Jesus. Go to him and he will show you the way he won't mislead you. So after I read the Bible, then I got married. Then my brother, my eldest brother invited me to this prayer meeting and I was like, well, I know he's not going to lead me into something that's like a cult type thing, but he had been going to these Life in the Spirit seminars at the time about the Holy Spirit, and he invited me. And I, at that time, I was pretty desperate. I was like, look, I don't want to be married anymore. This is a mistake. I had been married like six months, and my husband had started his career, my young husband, and he'd been traveling, and he was in San Francisco and he was all over the place traveling and I was at home and I was working in a job and I was studying the Bible <laughs> and I, I wanted to know more about Jesus, but I was really frustrated. I thought, I need to get out of this marriage. I made a mistake. So as I was in my apartment one day in St. Louis, I was crying out to God. That's when my brother called me and said, do you want to come to this prayer meeting? And I was like, what have I got to lose? Whatever that is, I probably should go. So my husband and I, we just, we'd only been married like 
not even six months, I think, at that time. And we went to this prayer meeting, and I remember sitting, walking in, and thinking, "Who are these people?" Like I had, I had. This was a like non-denominational prayer meeting. Well, it was in a chapel, but the the minister was a Catholic priest, but he wasn't wearing his collar. So it was kind of like they were in this chapel incognito, kind of hiding out. They weren't part of the denomination. And they were lifting their hands and they were praising God. That was the first reaction when I walked in was, wow, what is this? What is this? Because this is not like added traditional church service I had been in before. And again, I had never been to another Christian church, so I really knew nothing about that. But I walked in and I was just taken by the the um the love of God I felt, the um the worship, it was like pure. Uh, I can't express it any other way. It was like it, they were really worshiping God. There wasn't like a set formula. There wasn't like a, here, I'm handing you 10 points. You know, you read this and then you sing this and then you say this and then you kneel this and then you say, you know, it was just like spontaneous worship. That's the only way I can express it to you. And then they were singing as well. And this this beautiful melody, it was just, and I found out later, it was actually they were singing in tongues, which is a legitimate language of heaven. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about the gift of tongues, speaking with other tongues, singing, making melody in your heart and psalms and hymns and making spiritual melody and singing in tongues, which is an unknown language. You cannot learn. It's not an intellectual thing. It's a spirit, heart to heart prayer language that God gives you that you can actually use. It's a spiritual weapon and it is a way that the Holy Spirit comes and prays through you in this language, he gives you the utterance, and it's a gift. It's a supernatural gift of tongues. And so I'm listening to this, and I'm taken by the this, it felt like to me in the atmosphere, which is laced with love, and it's just heavy and thick, you know, with these people, with their worship. So I'm just, you know, there. You know, they're lifting their hands and praising God. Then at the end of that, anyone who needed prayer would could come forward and the priest would pray for them. And I, I got in line, but I didn't know exactly. I knew I wanted more of God, and I certainly want to know who is this Jesus. And I'd like to know what's going on. So I got in line, and the priest, what happened was he laid his hands. Well, first of all, he asked me if I had believed, believed in Jesus. And I said, yes, that you know he was my Lord and Savior. He goes, well, would you lift your hands and would you just praise Jesus? That was it. So I lifted my hands and I started from my heart. I said, praise Jesus. And once I said, praise Jesus, he just put his hand on me gently. I mean, nobody pushed me. Nobody pushed me over. And everybody was focused on worshiping Jesus. It wasn't like, it wasn't some kind of dramatic, you know, everybody look at me. It wasn't like that. It was different. It was just really worshipful. It was very pure. And I just said, praise Jesus. When I said that, I just fell down. It was like I fell out. The Bible's term for that is, you know, I was, um, I was taken over, I guess the word is, by the power and presence of God. Actually, it's a very legitimate thing. In the Old Testament, it said the priests, when they went in to offer sacrifices to the Lord, they were overcome, overwhelmed by the power, by the God that they just actually fell out under the power of God. They could not stand before him. 
in the presence and power of God because the presence and power of God is the Holy Spirit manifestation and it's very real. But I had never been in a church service where the power and presence of God was manifested. So I, I was young and I was like, I was just overwhelmed. I would say it's more of an overwhelming, beautiful feeling. But when I when I was laying there, I was actually laying there. No one was looking at me and I was worshiping Jesus. I was feeling like someone had taken like honey, like all I can think of was like such a sweet, the honey barrel of love, just like, it was like warm honey just flowed through me. And I was being touched by the power of God. I was being healed. And little did I know that Jesus is called the healer of broken hearts. That's what he does. So all the brokenness in me, all the unwanted pregnancy, all that disconnect of who am I, no identity, orphan spirit. I'm finding, I'm finding the answer. I'm finding who is this Jesus? This is his spirit. And this is love. God is love. And it also says who worships him must worship him in spirit and truth. So I was in this place where people were truly worshiping God in spirit and truth. And the power and presence of God was there. It's a very beautiful service. And I was under the power and presence of God. It was sort of like supernaturally natural. I wasn't, nobody was focused on anyone but Jesus. And so when the power of God came on me, I was thinking in my heart, I could hear everything around me, but I was thinking, Jesus, if this is you, I mean, (laughs) this is real. I want this. I want this. I had this passion for Jesus, which drove me to seek after him with all my heart, you know. And after that experience, I went back to the same chapel, Life in the Spirit Seminar. I kept attending those. And and more importantly, I kept reading my Bible. I just love, love, love the Word of God. I just wanted to read the Word night and day, day and night. I just wanted to pray. I just wanted to find answers in the Word of God to life and to what I was called to do and um, who Jesus is, and I wanted to worship him. And I had later, I had received this beautiful gift of tongues or the language of heaven. That's another story, but I received this gift. So I was able to pray and I was able to pray in the spirit. That's called praying in the spirit. It's a very legitimate gift. And remember Jesus said in Acts chapter one, he said, wait for the power from on high. He told his friends, they went up in the upper room in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost He said, wait for the power from on high. The father promised. So all of his friends and followers, his mother, Mary, and all the women were up there with all of his disciples, you know, and they waited for the father's promise and the Holy Spirit came. And if you read Acts chapter two, it describes the Holy Spirit manifesting and he came like a wind. It said a powerful, was like a tsunami wind. And it said that tongues of fire came upon them. He's represented by fire. It was like a wind and fire. And then it said they they spoke in their prayer languages, spoke in new tongues, in heavenly languages, the tongues of men and angels, Paul the Apostle referred to. Um, and he they spoke in this language. And it said everyone in the in Jerusalem in different parts of the world were there for the uh, festival, and they heard them praising God in their own tongue. Okay, so it was a supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God. Now, that supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God is for today as well. It wasn't just for that day. It's for believers, period. The reason I know that is because when I was there that day, the first day I was in that prayer meeting, I remember saying, what is this? And then I found out later the prophet Joel had prophesied in the last days, again, 
It's on the same train. God is telling me about the end times, the last days. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men or your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. In that day, I will pour out my spirit. And so God promised in, you know, before Jesus even came, that one of the signs of the return or the last days or end times or before the day of the Lord, that he would pour out his spirit. And that's what he was doing. He was exactly pouring out his spirit. So it didn't matter, you know, who you were or what you were, you were going to receive the Holy Spirit if you wanted him. If you were a believer, Jesus is the one who baptizes or infuses you with power from on high. And so I was in that middle of that whole thing, and I was receiving him. And I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is a gift of God, and I don't know why you would want everything God has for you. Now, I wasn't taught, I wasn't raised Pentecostal, and I wasn't taught anything negative about the Holy Spirit because I wasn't taught anything at all about the end times or the Holy Spirit for that matter. So I was wide open to receive what God had for me, or at least what Jesus was offering. So I will say this to you, the Holy Spirit is real. God is real. Heaven is real. Jesus is real. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is real. So you can't take all these people in the world who have received the gift of the Holy Spirit and tell them that all of them are wrong. Something's wrong with your theology. I'm sorry. I hate, hate to differ with you. But, you know, you've got to go check this out, okay? And you can't, you can't limit God or even have that attitude that, well, I'm not worthy and just some people get this gift because you're way up in yourself. You know what you really are? You're pretending to be holy or you're pretending it's a false humility and you're all up in your head. I call it all up thinking too much. It's a heart thing. Lord, I'm available. Here am I. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I receive your gift, Lord, and I will I will receive your gift now, Lord. I want everything you have for me. That's the bottom line. Do you want everything Jesus has for you? Or See, we need these gifts here on earth. So you have to read about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and study them from that perspective. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. I'm giving you all these Bible verses and chapters to go read for yourselves and study it. Again, Paul, the great apostle, was teaching the church at Corinth about the Holy Spirit. He was saying, these are the gifts of the Spirit. There were other gifts as well. There were gifts that Jesus gave when he ascended on high. It said he gave these fivefold uh, ascension gifts uh, for leaders. Um, they are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, in addition to the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and so, you know, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, you know, we have tongues, interpretation, tongues, prophecy. They're all listed in 1 Corinthians 12. There's miracles. All these are signs and wonders. <coughs> Excuse me. This is live, so I apologize for coffee. <laughs> so I'm just sharing with you so you don't miss anything God has for you. At that time, I knew nothing about these gifts until I studied them. But God graciously gave me his Holy Spirit, despite my ignorance. <laughs> so I went on pursuing God and receiving the gift. And my life was never the same. Um, I mean, the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches. He's the teacher of the church. He gives you the revelation of God's word. He's the one who will lead and guide you. You want to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible teaches in 1 John 4, there are many spirits who have gone out into the world, test the spirits to be whether they be of God. Not every spirit speaking 
is speaking by the Holy Spirit. There are other spirits. There are either demonic spirits or false spirits. There are, there are false teachers and false prophets out there. And they don't have to be false prophets in a pulpit. They could be a person, a celebrity, a politician that says they speak for God. So that's what it means when it says prophet. It could be anyone who says they speak for God. But they're false, you know. And they can be false ministers and false preachers that say they speak for God and teach for God. So I'm just saying broaden your perspective there in the days we live in. It's anyone. It could be someone who's in business, someone who's, you know, a motivational person type, you know, um, who's uh, coming to encourage you to do all that you are, be all that you can be or whatever. But it's without Jesus. It's it's a, a philosophy, kind of a new age religion without Jesus. And if Jesus is in it, he's sprinkled somewhere in there with the other, you know, so-called gurus, you know, other religious leaders. But Jesus is in a completely different class. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. No one can come to the Father but through him. Jesus of himself is the only one who died on the cross for our sins and went into uh, death and carried death, hell, in the grave and then came up out of that grave, God raised him from the dead, proving that he had power over death. So the Bible says the wages of sin, that what sin pays is death. So the punishment for sin is death. And the Bible also says that iniquity was found in Satan, in the devil. Iniquity was found in him, and he is actually author of sin. So sin was not in the Garden of Eden before he was in there and before he got into God's man and woman. (laughs) So our spiritual parents blew it, but Jesus is called the second Adam, and he came to restore us back to the Father. We're no longer spiritual orphans. We're no longer orphans. We're brought close to God. God is our Father, and we are his children. And you can know Jesus, and you can know him personally. And that was my quest. Who is this Jesus? I found the answer through the Word of God and studying God's Word. I'm giving you these scriptures uh, because I'm a teacher, and I want you to know for yourselves. I want you to study God's Word for yourself. You should study. You should know the Word of God. You should read the Word of God. You should know who Jesus is by studying the Gospels written by Matthew, by Mark, by Luke, and by John. You should find out who is Jesus. That's with someone's interpretation, not mine nor anyone's. Go find out for yourself. If not, if not what I'm telling you is not true. And Jesus will come, and he will come to live in your heart. And, and your life will change and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and fire and power. So I just want to bless you today with my testimony and encourage you. And also, if you have prayed, if you want to pray, or maybe you are a believer, you're not sure, you can pray right now. You can ask Jesus to come into your heart. You can say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And you could say, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again from the grave, that God raised you from the dead. And Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me. I receive you right now. You said to as many as received you, to them you gave the power to become sons of, to become sons of God, children of God, who believe in your name. You said whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, I ask you to save me now. I thank you that you've given me eternal life, and I, when I go and die, I'll go to live with you in heaven forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, to fill me with the Holy Spirit, just like you, you did on the day of Pentecost. 
to the early church when the church was born to fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I receive all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I receive my heavenly language speaking in other tongues. I receive it right now by faith. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've received the Lord right now, it's very important that you connect with believers. I, I pray you stay on my podcast and that you go to my website, Paula Praise. It's P-A-U-L-A-P-R-A-Y-S dot com. And you can go on that website. You can read my blog. And um, I post different things on there. And also, I post this podcast. But you can also, there's so many good resources out there on the internet. And where you live, you can also find uh, a group of people, true believers. I mean, spirit-filled believers. It could be, you know, uh, a non-denominational meeting. could be denominational. But wherever they, they're meeting in a house church or a small group or a prayer meeting, you need to get up with true believers. But also ask God to show you who. And a lot of people are fellowshipping right now, fellowshipping online. And I just want to share with you a great ministry I just love so much. Um, it's IHOP. K-S. It's I-H-O-P-K-S for Kansas City.org. It's IHOPKS.org. It's International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri. And the pastor there is Pastor Mike Bickle. And they have an incredible ministry online. You can go to their website. And Pastor Mike has all of his teachings on Pastor Mike's teachings. You can go and they're all free. You can listen to them. You can click on their 24-7 House of Prayer. Their 24-7 prayer going on there, prayer missionaries and their mission base and what they believe. And they have a school. You can get involved and, and you can grow in the Lord. But their worship is off the hook. Their praise, their leaders, their worship leaders are incredible. And they have a ton of conferences they open up to the public. And it's just a great resource. I, I just love them. I just bless them in Jesus' name. But I want some of you, I have a real passion for youth and for young people, for kids and for families today. And it, really, my heart is really for women and children. I, really, my heart goes out to them. And I just want you all to have resources and places you can go and fellowship with other believers. And who knows what that can link you up to and other great ministries today. So I bless you. Thanks for listening to me today on my podcast. God bless. Bye-bye.